0: Welcome to the Isles Buzz podcast. This is your one-stop shop for everything surrounding your New York Islanders. And now, here are your hosts, Dan Petru and Noel Fogelman.
1: All right, so Dan, uh, let's just get to the big news of the day. Um, Yeah. Huge news. Uh, Matt Molson, former Islander, signing with the Hershey Bears. That's our biggest news? It's... What is it July 24th? The honors have We haven't done moved. a show in about a month, right? Uh yeah, I mean no we, we did one right after post draft, po- yeah. No no, post free agency we did one. We did, and absolutely nothing's happened and nothing's since. And hap- nothing's happened since, but we we, we have right. to do a show and uh discuss the big news, but not all kidding aside, there's Really, nothing to talk about. Goodbye. No, <laughs> okay. But, but we do uh,
2: have we do have Arthur Staple we do have on Arthur. Of, uh, the athletic yes, yes, to to talk about nothing with.
1: Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so all kidding aside, the, the I guess the funniest thing going around today on Twitter, and we'll bring it up with R two is, uh, noted hockey fan tweeted this out and it's kind of been trending all day. It's the best hockey player born on your birthday has to score a penalty shot to save your life. The goalie he is facing is the starter of the Stanley Cup champs the year you graduated high school. Do you get to see tomorrow? Okay, so okay, so
2: who do you have? I just did mine. You, you okay, just told so, me this yeah, is so actually, okay.
1: Fantastic. I graduated in 1993. Great year for the Islanders. Unfortunately, right. they were stopped by Patrick Waugh and the Montreal Canadiens. So Patrick Waugh is my goalie. You also okay. have Patrick Waugh, only he never Yes, won 1996.
2: I have Colorado Avalanche. I have Colorado Avalanche. Right, so Avalanche. it's
1: kind of funny. We both have Patrick Waugh different teams okay yep. so it is an islander podcast so my guy ties in with the islanders my guy is pa parento
2: <laughs> and wow
1: and my guy yeah. okay go ahead okay oh, you, uh, your guy first and i'll i'll be ready, yeah. ready for this brent sutter oh okay not not bad yeah. so that actually ties in nicely um yeah. I, I like my chances because P- parento was a pretty solid shootout guy
2: And I had someone with close to 900 career points, so. Yeah, so I guess we will see tomorrow. We have a chance. No, I wouldn't say we have a chance. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, I I like my chances. I mean, it's better than having John Tavares or something like that, but.
2: Yeah, but we don't have Jeremy Roenick, you know.
1: No, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, Islander-wise, it's just pretty much a waiting game. It, It seems like all the eggs in Lou's basket were basically going towards Panarin.
2: Yeah, to make bread, basically, right? To, to make
1: bread, and yeah, and ironically, if you saw that um, article he did, I guess, with a Russian uh, paper or site that got translated, he'll be lucky. Where he criticized to... Putin? <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be lucky to see training camp. But yeah, he's gonna magically disappear. Yeah, exactly. But all, all kidding aside, the it was very telling that his agent and his girlfriend wanted him to sign with the other team who was offering him twelve point five million which right. we all know was the New York Islanders. Yeah. And he had his heart set on original six team and the Rangers, and he wanted to fulfill his childhood dream. So he went back to the agent only to get more money at the Rangers, which I absolutely love. If you that was your your dream, let's get some more money out of them. Cause I really <laughs> want to play there. So that, that was kind of telling. So it just, it gives an, the Islander fans another uh, pretty much heel to, to hate next year.
2: It also seems like uh, John Davidson was huge in that too.
1: Yes, yeah, and you can't you know uh, overstate that because he's 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 going to help that fr- he already helped that franchise and you know in the past and he's he's that's that's a big deal getting John Davidson it back.
2: It is. It gives it. It really gives him some credibility.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess it was last week already. They uh, they signed their prize, I guess, defenseman Jacob Truba, to a seven-year deal it was fifty six million dollars uh math's pretty easy so it's eight million per um it's a lot of money for him i I think and I, I with restricted free agents you basically are paying for the future and mm-hmm. unrestricted free agents you're basically paying for what they've done in the past so correct it's it, he's got you know a, a big contract he's got this isn't Winnipeg anymore
2: no it's not no he has pressure on him but and you and I are, are – I am much higher on Truba than you are because I actually watch him play. Uh, I, so. I,
1: I like Jacob Truba. I, I do. <laughs> I mean, you know, hes he's been in the league forever. I mean, he, he basically came out right out of the draft. So he's been in the yeah. league for, for a long time now. Problem is, he's always injured. You know, he hasn't really – I think he's had maybe two seasons where he's played full, full years. Last year was his breakout year. And he is a
2: first-pairing defenseman, though, and I think he's compensated like one.
1: He is. I mean – it's – but look what happened to Kevin Shattenkirk. And this guy is
2: one second oh, being no, brought out.
1: I, I'm not saying, Kevin
2: Shattenkirk was shielded by Petrangelo. You could see it when he got to DC. He, he, no, no. That's not a good comparison. No, no,
1: no, no. I, I'm not comparing him to Kevin Shattenkirk. I'm just saying –
2: And Shattenkirk also took a pay cut to come to the Rangers, which is admirable but because right. he wanted to go home. But, you know.
1: Yeah, and, he, and he's going to go home soon because he's probably going yeah, to get pulled out Because he's going to
2: get traded. He'll yeah. be in Seattle, <laughs> new home in Seattle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I, 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 t- I texted you after the, the news broke with Truba, and I basically said that who is going to love this contract is Ryan Pulak's agent. And you immediately shut me down. I don't think I Ryan, did. I don't think Ryan Pulak's getting $8 million. But No, he's not. He's not. He's very comparable. They're both the same age. If you look at their numbers— P- uh, Pulock's on his right, finishing his entry level deal. No arbitration rights. He's easily going to get five million dollars. That that's yeah. That's, 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 that's the I bottom right yes, there. Yes. That's the bottom right there. And we'll see what right. happens with Lou. We'll, we'll we'll talk to Arthur about whether negotiations are going to start. But I I really like like most Islander fans think Pulock's the number one defenseman.
2: I do too. I just don't know if he's there yet.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, I
2: think he will. Be, I think he will be a first pairing defenseman. I'm just not sure he's there yet.
1: I mean, he logged a lot of minutes last year. He played 82 games.
2: He uh, did. Like, he had a fantastic season. Yeah. Him and Taze were their most consistent defenders in the team.
1: Yeah, and I think it's only going to get better. I mean, I mean, if you, if you look at his numbers compared to Troopers, they, they, they're pretty close, it's, right? You know, and it's and it's Kulak not...
2: needs to get up in the 40s point wise, and a better power play would help that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they. I know Trooper. I think had 50 last year. But they—they mm-hmm. they both have had just two thirty-plus co- uh, point seasons in their career. Uh, Troopers had six years in, his, in the league, where Pulock really only played two seasons. Uh, you know, he had a fortunate like broken ankle the one game he played a couple of years ago. But it's going to be interesting to see what he gets, as well as the Bontes and Matt Barzal next summer. So that's going to be pretty interesting to
2: see what happens there. Yeah, it will be, and you know, those will be. It'll be interesting to see how that transpires, especially with all the RFA's from this season. And even though everything's quiet right now, I do of the eight or nine high-profile RFA's, I don't think all of them will be on their same team from opening night. So I think there's still, we obviously there's still it's a clear upgrade needed in the top six. And I've, like I said, we've talked so much about it. I think there's a trade to be made with Winnipeg. They have three forwards that they cannot afford all three of them, and Connor and Line and Ehlers is always is already signed. They cannot afford all three of those guys making between six and oh, I don't know eight and a half million. So, and they, all, they are in desperate need of defensemen. I definitely think there's a trade to be had there.
1: Yeah, and the Islanders have a defenseman who is expendable, and he's making relatively cheap money for a one A, one B, second pairing defenseman,
2: uh, Nick Letty. So, yeah, but even five—he's making what five? He's making five, but I mean, it, that's it, actually it, with the cap situation that Winnipeg's in—that's still kind of expensive. But the problem is, they but can, I think something could be done there. Yes. Yeah,
1: I mean, if you send Ehlers away, that frees up money to sign Lane. because that, that's the deal. I mean, the the move that the Leafs did yesterday with bringing back David Clark—Clark's David Clarkson—I um, was going to say Nathan Horton, who's already there, but uh, same thing. Yeah, yeah pr- pretty much. Basically, all but guarantees that Mitch Martin is going to return. Yes. You know, and they got a draft pick from Vegas, who Vegas needed to sign Derek England, which they did. Uh Toronto has 11 draft picks next year in the draft, which is wow. you know, it's, it's it's amazing, but but they don't have their number 1. They do not. Correct.
2: No, they sent it to Carolina to take um, to Patrick Marlowe.
1: Right. So, right. yeah, they can definitely move up in the first round because I'm sure they'll picking in the mid, you know, first round because they'll only make it to the first round next year <laughs> but but, but all, all kidding aside um if the honors are going to offer sheet somebody which in the past the offer sheets have been coming at the end of july early august i think Lane is the guy they, they target if they do decide to make an offer sheet
2: yeah um he's one of the guys that is kind of fits the need of what they they need they need a, a sharpshooter they need a goal scorer um and, you know, look there we've we've seen multiple conflicting reports out there it sounds like line is not too keen on going long term at winnipeg um and connor would be great there too he's yes. also a really good goal scorer um i still think it gets done and i actually another guy too will probably get done too but would also be a good fit as brock besser yeah. um out of vancouver i don't know what they're gonna do i mean it's, i i don't see any of these rfas getting signed before september and i think some of them will miss training camp I, I don't think anything happens within the next month so i think they're all waiting on marner honestly so once marner gets signed maybe you get the dominoes rolling yeah probably i mean dominoes falling ball, ball rolls ball, dominoes, ball. Yeah, yeah. dominoes yeah
1: dominoes, <laughs> balls,
2: but dominoes yeah. do not roll no, no.
1: i mean we, we could try it but i don't i don't think they do it would just kind of topple over there but I mean, you make a great point, Bester. I mean, Vancouver is building. You know, they're like, I would say, another possibly year away from. Yeah, they got contending. really good farm. They
2: got some really good young players. Yeah.
1: So there's, there's no way that, you know, they're going to let him go. And it's like, even that ridiculous offer sheet that Montreal did with Ajo, which, I mean, that that, that basically just sped up the negotiations for, for <laughs> Ajo and the Canes. The Canes are like, thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. You know, just like, maybe teams are straying away from just the offer sheets because I I, I, it's, I don't think it's the draft picks. I mean, it's just, I just think it's like the, the amount of money you want to offer the guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you got guys now coming off ELCs, coming off $800,000 contracts, making eight, nine, 10, 11 million dollars. And I mean, Edmonton screwed it up first. There was no reason to give McDavid that much money no, right away. Absolutely. Not, not that he doesn't deserve it, but I don't understand why, these players, like look at the decisions, the decisions deal in, in Nashville. Why are you signing for seven years, bro? Yeah, I mean, the, the, like, I don't understand why these guys. Like, if I was uh, a professional player, and I'm not clearly came skate backwards, <laughs> but if I was and I was confident in my abilities, and my skills, I would probably only sign two or three year deals, so I can keep getting a bunch. Look at all the NBA players; they they all sign three year. LeBron has it perfectly timed mm. out. Then when that new TV deal hits, he'll be a free agent. Because the cap's going to go up and he'll make even more money. Yeah, I mean, it's. I I always. The only one who did that pretty much is Matthews. He did an ELC and a five year deal. So when that's done, boom, he's a free agent.
1: Yeah. And he's going back
2: home to Arizona. Exactly. And I think that's what Marner. He'll be in Houston.
1: Right. And that's what Marner wants to do, I believe, too.
2: Yeah, Marner wants to go home, too.
1: (laughs) No. But I mean, I I I think he wants to mirror what. At least the term that Matthews got. Right. You know, because the NBA. And I mean, we'll talk to Art about that, too. I think just the comparisons of, of the league, the NBA free period is so much more exciting. Than it the is. NHL. The NHL basically is a half hour. and you, It you, is. You have maybe, and then everybody's,
2: everybody's going to their cottages.
1: Right. And, and, and look how much fun. I mean, not for us, really, but looking back now.
2: No, because it absolutely, the Russell Westbrook trade wrecked one of my nights at work. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but I was saying, like, even like Tavares last year, I mean, it, it was excruciating for us. But like on the yeah. outside looking in, that must have been exciting.
2: No, I feel like that was excruciating for a lot of people the way <laughs> that was
1: drawn out. But I mean that that's that's it. No one in the N, in the NH I mean Panarin I don't count because he got traded and there was really no allegiance to Columbus and you knew he was leaving anyway. With Severus, it was kind of like will he won't he? But it'd NBA, be like the equivalent of, of probably Matthews in 5 years. Possibly, and but you know the problem is we'll know we'll know beforehand whether he's going back or not. You know, right. These, these guys, I mean, like Stamkos, he signed at the last minute. But these guys, they signed. You know, July first yeah. of, the, pre, of the, the 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 year before, it's done. It's there's really no excitement, no drama. Where the NBA, these like obviously the TV money there's no comparison between the two leagues. You know, these ridiculous players you never heard of are making these super max deals. Or if you, like Connor McDavid, what's he making? 12? Yeah. He'd be like a six man on the Bucks. More seventh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know you can't compare. But also revenues. the thing too
2: is they're only twelve players on an NBA roster.
1: Right. True. That's but, a I mean, big, big yeah. difference
2: than forty contracts. Right. But even I think this, their salary cap is
1: even bigger than the NBA than the NHL's right. But well, the revenue too. Is, yeah. You, but you know there you is going to be a new
2: television deal. What in two years? So yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, what happens and Seattle later. coming into the league too. So I expect there will be a bump in the cap. Yeah. Yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: All right, and joining us now, Arthur Staple from The Athletic. Art, how are you doing tonight? I'm
0: good, guys. How are you?
1: You're doing great. Okay, so we discussed on top of the show the whole Twitter thing about the whole shootout goalie and guy born your birthday. So who'd you get?
0: Um, well, uh, the goalie is uh, – uh, sorry, I'm trying to think who it was, 2002 for the Red Wings. It was uh, – I just blanked on it Oh probably... Ashik Uh no. no No I don't think so But uh it's Chris Joseph No he was on that team Where, Osgood? Was Osgood Was it Chris Osgood Let's see No it was Mike Vernon Oh Oh so that it was Towards was... the end Towards the end of his career Um Oh, sorry, not 2002. That's, boy, that would make me a lot younger than I am. It right. was uh, 1980, 1989 with Calgary. So, Mike oh, was okay. okay. there was fairly, fairly beatable, certainly a good goalie. But I really, on my birthday, uh, there's not really a, 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 an all-star array of players. So Anton Strauman was really the guy that I came up with at the best NHL career. Um, and I'm betting that he's never even taken a shootout attempt <laughs> in the regular season in any game. So... Uh, I'd be dead. What you're talking
1: about. Yeah, may you rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got Parento, who actually was pretty good in the He's a good shootout. Guy, yeah, yeah, so actually, I have I have a, a fighter's chance.
2: <laughs> yeah, Brent. So I got Brent Sutter, who had a nice career, but I, I don't know if I'm risking my life against Patrick Wah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: All right. So this is what the off seasons become because there's really yes. no Islander news to report. Uh, <laughs> But all joking aside, um, looks like Lou Lamoureux had all his eggs in the basket of Panarin, correct?
0: I mean, for now, you know, there's still – it's not like any of these uh, RFAs have signed anywhere, and that's not necessarily to say that there's, uh, there's an offer sheet coming out. But, um, you know, kind of the conventional wisdom, if you're talking conventional wisdom on, on something that very rarely happens and signing someone to an offer sheet – Doing it on July one isn't necessarily the best course of action, especially if you know that that none of these guys are going to sign. I mean, what what the Canadians did with Sebastian Ajo was kind of a strange gamble. I think they were more banking on uh, uh, you know the Carolina owner being a little too cheap to pony up uh, you know whatever it is 15, 20 million or so in signing bonuses in the next year or so. Uh, but they did it, and and I think the Leafs are kind of in the similar situation of just waiting for someone to make an offer on Marner so that they can at least be done with it and just match it because now with their last move that they made to get David Clarkson's contract back, uh, they certainly seem like they have a space to match, but, but like, you know, there's still Kyle Connor and Patrick Line, uh, There's still Matthew Kachuk out there. So there's still some options if William wants to go that way. And I think the best course of action now that we're three weeks out from, from the start of free agency is, Might as well wait to the very last minute till, you know, not even at the start of training camp, you wait till into training camp when teams are starting to you know, really have to buckle down and and put their rosters together and and set a a firm salary cap. You can't go ten percent over once the season starts. So, um, you know, I think if it's gonna happen, it would happen closer to the start of the season than than closer to now. Um, but even having said that, it certainly seems like there's some moves that still need to be made to make this team better than it was last year, and uh, nothing has really happened outside of that that first day's activity. Yeah, if you look at this roster as constructed right now, and the Vegas odds came out, Uh, were
2: updated a couple days ago, and they have them at 93.5 points for over-under, which is obviously more than last year, but uh, when Vegas had them in the 80s, everybody thought they were going to be terrible, but uh, quite a bit down from what they ended up last year. Uh, Do you think this team as currently constructed is still a top-three team in the division,
0: or is it a team that's probably more in the mix for the wild card? You know, I think more wild card playoff bubble just because of how hard they worked to get where they were last right. year um, you know it was it was even the guys in the room would say it was a team that overachieved um, given all of the upheaval of last summer um, it was it was genuinely surprising to see them you know, even keeping their heads just moderately above 500 to start the season, you know, the first month or two, and then they really started to take off once they once they bought into what Barry Trotz was was trying to teach them, and obviously the goaltending was was otherworldly for any organization, much less one that that never seems to get that kind of goaltending on a consistent basis, um, and that really, you know, the the goalies being able to make the first save and, and their defensive structure outworking other teams and their forecheck being very disciplined you know those are those are great accomplishments but to it's you're hard pressed to think of a team that can do that year after year after year it's such it's such it grinds you down and i think you saw the kind of the you know the way it ground them down when they they just couldn't come up with a goal against carolina when it mattered in that series so um you know i think uh, i think they understood uh lou and barry both understood they needed to improve their their top end skill and they did make a big pitch for panarin and maybe there'll be something else coming down the pike that we're not aware of but um as they sit right now with with their top six essentially the same as last year and maybe uh, you know a, a different face or two in the bottom six depending on you know health and, and whether they do add a, a number three center at some point um you know i just don't see uh maybe a full year of Devon Taves improves the power play uh, maybe a full year of Noah Dobson after he he shakes you know shakes off the the nervousness of being a 19 year old in the NHL maybe that makes an impact on D um but the swap of of Robin Leonard for Senan Varlamov to me on paper doesn't seem like an upgrade and um that was the spot where really that that kind of carried them through a lot of last year so uh, I, I think it's hard to say that this is going to be the same, you know, a, a similarly successful team. And having said all that, I think the division is completely wide open going into the season. You know, Columbus obviously doesn't look as good, losing all the guys that they lost. Carolina, I don't think is going to be as good. They kind of had some magic with their goalies that they swapped out. Um, you know, Pittsburgh is due for a downfall. Uh, I would imagine that. You know, I don't know if they all three of their big big guys can can stay healthy all year. Washington is probably going to be good enough, but uh, but you never know. And I think that the teams that were kind of at the bottom of the division—Philly, the Rangers, and the Devils—all pretty much all improved in the short term. You know, it may take them a little while to get going, um, but I think it's just it's a very wide open situation. And I think um, it's hard to gauge where the Islanders fall if they can work as hard as they did last year with a similar roster, then yeah, they you know, they could certainly win the division or, or be close to it. But uh, but I, I think it's gonna be hard to, to be able to predict that right now.
1: Yeah, and you wrote, I believe it was last week, about um, Tanner Fritz pretty much having the inside track on the third line center. I mean I know Casey Zeke is basically in name only as the fourth line center who had twenty goals last year. Um I and I know that they're pretty high on Tanner Fritz, but do you think he's up for, for basically playing a whole season as a third line center the season started today yeah,
0: I, I think he could handle it you know I, I think it's mostly because there's just not a lot of other options right. I know lots of fans uh, you know in the you know, comments on our site or Q&A's and things like that are very high on Otto Koivula and I certainly saw you know the, the games that I saw him play and, and talked to the folks in Bridgeport they were very high on him too but uh, he's still only 20 he's still learning a new position in a new rink size um it's not a guarantee that he takes the next step forward in camp and and is suddenly a guy who's ready for the nhl because he was definitely not even with all his success last year um so there's not a lot of other obvious candidates that are already uh in the organization other than fritz and i think uh you know if he hadn't gotten hurt at the end of the year he was gonna fill that spot when when dal philpa went down for the last couple weeks of the regular season uh, so I think they do like him. He did make the team out of camp and played those first couple of games. Um, so you know, I think I think he's a guy who's you know he's paid his dues. He's twenty, going to be twenty eight when the season starts. He's had a, a little taste of the NHL. I think he understands what his role is going to be if he does have a role. And I think with Philpola gone, and if they don't add anybody else, he, he needs to be a penalty killer. Uh, and he's done that reasonably well. He did it a lot in Bridgeport. He did do it some in the NHL level. The last couple of years, he's been up. Um, so, you know, I think he's a viable option. I think what, what probably has to change is that Casey Zekas can't just be the fourth line, uh, you know, first penalty kill guy. He's got to be more of an option to, to be up, you know, further up in the lineup when they need a little bit of a boost. Uh, and, you know, maybe even he's a guy who gets a consideration, gets consideration for some power play time. Um, I just think his minutes need to go up if he's going to be a, a more legit third line guy who's out there uh, as much at even strength and penalty killing as he is so uh you know I, I i still sort of in the back of my mind feel like there's there's an addition to be made in their forward group uh, probably at that extra you know at the at center there's still guys like brian boyle and derek brassard that are out there maybe they're you know it's been so long now that they're not necessarily looking for contracts just looking for a spot to come in and try out um you know i'm not so sure that that spot is that exciting for a prospective free agent right. because you're probably going to be playing with Leo Komarov and, and Silpo <laughs> and Komarov had a fantastic chemistry but uh, I think it'd be hard to see a lot of other centers who, who can mesh well with with Leo's unique style and, and you'll probably have Michael Dalcal on, on the other side so it's going to be, it's going to be a grinding, hard-working line and, and does a guy like Broussard fit that? Maybe, maybe not more like a Brian Boyle but um, you know he's going to be 35 when the season starts. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think a lot depends on on what Barry views that bottom six as going into this season, and whether he feels like the Martins' is, line is an absolute must have once again.
1: Right, and we um, we post a few questions on uh, on Twitter, and one of them was uh, about Clou- Cal Turbuck, his injury potentially being career threatening. Do you think he'll be ready for a training camp and how important is he to the fourth line next year? You know, I I don't think we've heard any specifics about whether he'll be
0: ready. I don't think it's career-threatening. I think people would have, you know, having asked Lou about that uh, a month or so ago, um, I think someone would have said something about that and I think they would have addressed that situation a little bit more uh, promptly. But uh, yeah, it was a major surgery. His back was a mess uh, when the season ended. Obviously, he couldn't go in that game four. He'd been I don't know how he managed to go in the games before that and play the way that he did. Um, but yeah, I you know. And I kind of looking back at some of the, some of the stories that I wrote during the season last year, I, I wrote a whole story saying that he was kind of the linchpin of that forward group last year. He, he produced a few clutch goals, but I think more importantly, it's, it was a, a night and day turnaround for him from the year before and how effective he was, you know, his underlying stats were among the best on the team uh, in terms of, you know, Scoring chances, scoring chance percentage and high danger chance percentage, just that line didn't give up a lot and it generated a ton. Uh, and obviously Casey scoring 20 goals was a, was a pretty big result of that. So uh, if he's not ready for camp, um, that would be a problem for them. You know, I, it, obviously it's a spot you can fill. It's the, your fourth line right wing. You've got Kunakal, you've got Ross Johnston, you've got plenty of guys that can that can come up and, and play a couple games in that role, uh, you know, kind of quad a AHLers uh, you know some of the guys that they, they added Steve Bernier could do it right. still in the organization um they just signed a guy named Nick Schilke who came from Charlotte playing in Charlotte the last couple of years who's a pretty good hard-working <clears throat> depth guy so um filling that spot on a short-term basis is not a problem I think bringing what Clutterbuck has, what what he brought last year for most of the year um that's more of a problem and and I think we've seen um that line when one or two of its pieces is missing just doesn't have the same effect. You know, they, those three guys have some incredible magic that they've worked, that they're all much better together than they are individually. So, uh, any long absence for Clutterbuck is uh, is going to hurt them in the bottom six, uh, you know, especially when if you've got to shuttle Komarov around a little bit more. And, and uh, you know, I think their penalty kill suffered a little bit when one of the, whether it was Suzuki or Clutterbuck. Uh, were out because they were playing with different partners. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I think we'll know a little bit more as, uh, as next month unfolds, since Clutterbuck's usually one of the first guys uh, back on Long Island, skating over at, uh, at, at their practice
1: facility. Right. And speaking of long-term injury, do they have any expectations for Andrew Ladd this year?
0: I think so. You know, I, and I, that that's the, that's the unpleasant part. You know, he's, he's obviously been, you know, a big disappointment with the huge contract and the, you know, back injuries kind of slowed him down the first couple of years and then you know the, the knee injury comes back and tears his ACL you know and the, the hard part is that he was playing pretty well in those games that he played he only played a handful of them but he was effective and um you know I think he's the kind of guy that really can thrive in a Barry trot system he, he was his his underlying numbers were always good uh, those first couple of years when he was playing, you know, his, his scoring numbers were terrible, uh, until he had that hot run at the end of his first season. But he is an effective player and a, and a very smart positional player. You know, he's, he killed plenty of, for a long time in Winnipeg. He can play a little on the power play. I just think, especially with Phil Bologon, he would be a kind of, the kind of guy that, that Barry would love to have in the lineup uh, and in the room. Um, You know, it's it's probably hard for a lot of under fans to hear it because he's been, you know, the numbers, the the contract numbers and the scoring numbers look so bad. But uh, when he, if he could be healthy, he would help, you know, especially in that third line, Um, you know, he's a penalty killer. He could help there. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think he's certainly not movable right now. He's uh, still on the way back. And and I think a guy who's had as many injuries as he's had uh, in the last few years you know, to, to say that it's only going to be a five-month recovery, and he'll be ready to go when training camp is just sort of wrapping up, is is pretty is pretty nonsensical because he's going to need his own, you know a full sort of training camp conditioning-wise, and he's going to be playing catch-up at just the absolute worst time because it's not like even Bridgeport's really gotten underway that well. So um, I think it's going to be tough for him to do anything really in the first half of the season. Um, but in that second half, you know, uh, you get a guy like him. Healthy and and fresh uh, in January when the when the doldrums start to set in, um, it's probably a decent a decent addition and I think you you just have to now we're into you know over halfway through that deal you just have to stop worrying about the the term and the and the money and just say this is a guy who can help and I, if if he's new diff I think he's a guy who could help especially with their bottom six looking a little
1: weak a little weaker than it was last year. Right, and they have a couple, uh, or actually a trio of restricted free agents, Anthony Avoulier, you mentioned Michael Del Cole and everyone's favorite Josh Hosang. Uh, what kind of deals do you expect them to get, and do you think they'll be signed by training camp? And more importantly, did do, do they still have the same policy as Charles Wong did about if you don't have a contract by training camp, they don't play the whole year?
0: You know, I think with with Charles you know, having passed, and obviously – you know, no longer being a, a shareholder, uh, and Garth Snow being gone, I imagine that policy is out the window. I, I don't imagine that that Lou has a lot of tolerance for that sort of thing, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't, and I also don't see either any of these three situations dragging on. This is not a, you know Mitch Marner, or Matthew Kachuk where guys are looking to break the bank. Um, you know, Bovillier is probably going to be a bridge deal where it's two years. And, maybe two, two and a half million, something like that. He's certainly, you know, shown he's got some skill in his in his three years so far, but it's not, he's not a, you know, a bona fide top six player. And frankly, if they don't have anybody else, uh, they need him to be uh, right off the bat at the very least. So I can't see a situation where he's not in the fold. And the other two guys are really just, uh, just getting started. Um, you know, Josh is obviously his, his trials and tribulations have been well chronicled and, and Dalcal, you know, last year was really the first year that, that he broke through and showed that, that he is an NHL prospect again after a couple of kind of lost seasons. So um, I would expect something around qualifying offers for both of them. Maybe Dalcal gets a million. Uh, Josh is probably straight take the qualifying offer. I can't imagine they're offering him anything else other than, uh, you know, uh, uh, the most basic contract and a, you know, and a plane ticket to Long Island. So, uh, you know, I think the rest, the rest is up to him as Lou likes to say. Yeah. And an alarm clock. <laughs> well, that, uh, I don't think they have to worry about that anymore, but, right. but this is, you know, this, this is, uh, it's funny to hear kind of the, the, the outcries when I've talked to him, you know, and obviously he said some very controversial things in the times that I've gone to Bridgeport and talked to him and the times that I talked to him on, on Long Island. And, um, you know, I think uh, it, judge it by the kind of the comment section on the Athletic, the, the decreasing outcry of why isn't this guy a regular? And then it kind of goes down and goes down. And then around the trade deadline last year, I think it was more like uh, I'm just tired of this guy. I want him to either show up or not show up. So I think even the fans who are his most ardent supporters are getting a little worn down by uh, by not seeing him there. And, and I think he's probably frustrated too. You know, uh, I think he've kind of felt like maybe. He, he justifiably so had been unfairly treated uh in doug wait's full season as coach that that he was kind of made the scapegoat for a defensive situation that was a mess mm-hmm. team wide and um spoke his mind and then never got a chance again and then last year he had really had to start fresh with a brand new gm and a brand new coach and um you know I, that had to be frustrating for him so we'll see if he comes to camp rejuvenated and feeling like he's just got a work his butt off and, and try to make the team or at least make a good impression so that he can be the next guy that gets called up or whether he's kind of given up and that it's time for everybody to, to go their separate ways. Right. And
1: two guys who will be in Bridgeport to start the year, uh, Kiefer Bellows, who had a very inconsistent rookie year in, in Bridgeport and then starting his I guess full professional career would be Oliver Wallstrom, who... In a short period of time, in Bridgeport, played very well. He played well in the five-game series against Hershey, but both those guys played for Bridgeport. Do you expect them to be in Bridgeport the
0: entire season? I mean, I think that's like we said about about Hosang. I think that's up to them. You know, Bellows did have a good playoff series. I think he finally started to put some things together, and maybe playing with Wallstrom a lot, especially on the power play, helped him. Um, but yeah, he struggled for sure. You know, he certainly had, he was. Uh, lights out early in, the, in in camp, and I think people were sort of excited about it. And then when he went down, he he disappeared for long stretches in Bridgeport, which is a big no-no for your first pro year. And uh, you know, I think he certainly um, he's the kind of guy who who understands the pro lifestyle from you know talking to his dad and being around it his whole his whole youth. Um, so I don't think he's a lost cause by any means. But but 11 goals for a guy who's a goal scorer in a full season is is uh is not great it's not a great start and, and i think he knows he has a lot to prove in this camp and in this coming season at least a start in bridgeport and as far as Wallstrom's concerned it was a great sign that um, that he did come in so motivated and so ready to to kind of show what he could do uh in that short audition he had in bridgeport after after a pretty mediocre season in, in boston college and You know, it was a mediocre season for a lot of guys in B.C., and that's a pretty big rarity. So, uh, you know, it was definitely not the decision um, that I think even Lou Lamarillo wanted. I think he had said it to me that that was not his preference to have have Wallstrom leave, but they were willing to give it a shot. And I think, uh, you know, he he rewarded it a little bit at the end there, but this this coming season is going to be a lot different for him. You know, he's coming off a year where he's played 40, 45 games total, and now you've got the grind of a real pro season and, and a pro camp where you've got a real shot. So, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how how he reacts to all that and uh, how he takes it all in. And, and um, you know, just posted a story today having talked to him about the, the few weeks he spent over in Sweden training with one of the Swedish team, league teams and doing some very intense. Uh, off-ice training running things like that you know trying to get his conditioning up and i think that's that's the sort of stuff that the islanders want to see and hear that uh that his motivation is as high as it's as it's ever been and uh you know like kind of rewarding that faith they put in him by not only drafting him so high but also welcoming him into the fold after not such a great uh, first amateur season
1: all right thank you for a few minutes today and enjoy the rest of your summer
0: all right guys anytime thanks a lot